Hello and welcome to Chats, a television podcast, season nine, Better Off Chats. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by the man who looks like a possum in any shirt that he wears. And it's Magellan. I really thought that I could finish this bite of peanut butter sandwich. No. Nope. I, like, I wish you could have seen. <laughs> the speed <laughs> with which you ate the peanut You were like no, a possum. The, the amount of time I wasted trying to calculate if it was going to work or not. That's so That's so true, right? You think so much about if you could do it, but not if and then you don't do it. And I love that. It was like that fake, uh, this is going to be a deep cut YouTube reference that you'll get, but the average person might not. There was this like fake uh, speed run of Super Mario Bros. Hell that, yeah. Uh, was posted to some, I think it was from Mexico, the YouTube channel. Yeah. I don't remember. It was, or Brazil. Yeah. It, I don't remember. But um, it was like so obviously fake. And the guy who was doing the speed run was like swigging Coke and eating pizza while he was doing it. <laughs> and there were like moments where he'd pick up the pizza to try to figure out if he had enough time to do it. Um, it was a lot like that. So people should check out that video to see, to get a sense of what I just did. That it's it wasn't even like he was taking slices. He was like biting into the whole half of a pizza. Like I, this is <laughs> yeah, fine. just this a big normal. full floppy half of a pizza. Yeah. Oh, that video is yeah. very good. Um, we have a special guest this episode, Magellan. That was me taking a swig <laughs> of my Coca Cola. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm making this as hard for you as possible. Uh, I shouldn't be doing this on the pod. Who's our guest? What's their special name? Uh, for this episode, we're joined by a person whose magnifluosity knows no equal. It's Six from Scanline Media, everybody. Hello, friends and folks. I'm here to deal death. Wait. Oh, what? sorry. Uh, Wrong show. Wrong yeah, show. Hold on. I'm I here was to talk of, about it's a I was thinking of the Garnet Witch. <laughs> yes. Wait, yeah. Oh, God. Six and I, if you don't already know, have been friends for a while and have been podcast buddies for just as long. And, uh, yeah, Six co-hosts the Garnet Wager, is co-founder of ScanlineMedia.com, uh, podcaster extraordinaire, robot fan, and, uh, and uh, robot. employee under capitalism, which are all the requirements to be on Better Off Chance. <laughs> yeah, and really, if you, uh, if you want to be on a podcast with me, it's basically as simple as like talking to me a decent amount and liking some of the same things. The way Alan and I first podcasted together was that I was told to watch a, a show called The Genius, and I was like, sure, why not? And I watched the first episode, and I was like, this is really good, and I messaged Alan like, hey, you sort of barely know me, but you seem cool. Let's do a podcast about this show I watched one episode of. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's love at first sight, and now we're uh, happily committed to several podcasts together, <laughs> which is the real, it's the millennial marriage. That's um, sweet. Yeah, we're, we're tr- as we've mentioned before, we're trying to get more guests here on Better Off Chats because it's a show about work and uh, office environments and capitalism. And we figured that we could have some friends on with some experience to talk about this very silly and very entertaining show. Um, so, Six, we have you on uh, for our first episode tonight. Uh, we're going to be discussing Season 1, Episode 7, Get Happy With You. And then we'll have another guest on for Episode 8, You Are the Boss of Me, which will be after the break. Uh, we're going to start by talking about Get Happy, which was written by Michael Tiverbaugh, uh, and it was directed by Gail Mancuso, iconic director on a lot of sitcoms, including Modern Family, Friends, Gilmore Girls, and 30 Rock. Get Happy originally aired May 5th, 2009, and Magellan, could you do me the honors of telling me what happened in this episode, please? 
In this episode, Veronica tries to not be so cold, and Ted tries to befriend the older men at Viridian after the results of an office survey are revealed. And Linda's request for individuality in the office has unexpected results. <laughs> and hilarity ensues. Kind of. I think so. Uh... Um, this is quite an entertaining episode. Um, you know, it's about morale, employee morale, which I think is something that we've all kind of had to deal with or talk about in, in a work environment at some point. Um, Six, I can open up with you. Have you in any like in specific memory had to deal with this sort of like, oh, the bosses don't think we're happy enough. We have to do more to look at and act happier uh, in your experience. I mean, you know, I get told to smile. Yep. Because I work time. in retail. Um, yeah. And oh, so, yeah. that, I mean, that's actually, um, I am one of the people, listen, obviously, obviously the current circumstances around the world especially in america are bad and i don't endorse them but wearing a mask all the time means people don't tell me to smile and that's all right <laughs> mm. <laughs> unexpected um, consequence yeah. yeah no i'm I, I i would love to keep wearing a mask after this ends um mm. yeah i don't know it's it's weird because um i work for a <clears throat> major retailer and they have like routines to sort of like keep this from becoming a thing i guess um yeah. and i think they're of mixed success right like around the holidays um when they're making us work overtime all the damn time um they will you know like like cater food and stuff and like that goes over pretty well like oh hey no, there's a you, you like you rented a taco truck and they're just sitting out back and making tacos for anyone like yeah no we like that um but a lot of other stuff was it just like, hey, we put stickers in the break room. I don't care. Why would I care about that? Um, like stickers that have any sort of significance or just you can have some stickers? Oh, there's just some stick. Listen, there's paper and there's stickers. And if you want to do some crafts, and I'm like. In oh, your 30-minute mandated. I'm 30 <laughs> years old. <laughs> um, like, are you kidding me? Um so I think those routines are of mixed success, but I think the larger thing is that um, there is a difference, right? Like when you're working retail, there is, I mean, they kind of, they make kind of, they joke about this, but there is an expectation that you're miserable and they just don't really care. Yeah. Um, For sure. Yeah. So, so they don't work as hard at, at the morale stuff, I would say. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Retail is a different environment where you're already primarily you're facing the customer more than you're facing your company. So, you know, your worst fear is a customer like reporting you for being unhelpful or rude or made a funny face at me when I asked them where the donuts were, mm -hmm. stuff yeah. like that. And I think the concern that is happening for Viridian in this episode is is different than how things work in a retail environment, because the reason that they're making such a big deal about the survey is like if people are happier then they will They're work more, productive. more productively but in a retail environment it's like what does that mean <laughs> exactly mm -hmm. i don't mm -hmm. know like productivity is not as important as like performance and yeah the sort of yeah like productivity smile, is a weird smile. is a weird thing to measure when you are constantly in a, in a job like retail we are dealing with constant interruptions right yeah so exactly. it's hard harder to measure right and it's more about like i don't know like, you know, you have to kind of manage these waves of people 
and that you know, crest and fall at different times. Exactly. The the one office job I've ever actually had um, was I was working for a person who was uh, selling stuff en masse on eBay. I was uh, writing product descriptions and taking and photoshopping pictures for it. Oh yeah, that's um, so interesting. Yeah, and I think I think like listen, I was I was a lot younger. I was like twenty one, twenty. Um, mm-hmm. and so it took me a while to be like, Hey, all these products say not for resale. And at the end of every week, you just open up a briefcase full of money and give me my pay in cash. Is this legal? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh God. Holy crap. I'm not sure this is legal. Oh no. That's awesome. What kind of, what kind of products? It was just like random stuff. It was, uh, it was like, uh, like hair, like uh, cosmetics, like flat irons mostly. Oh, and some curling <laughs> irons and stuff. Yeah. Um, the um, the owner, the the business operator's uh, wife ran yeah. a salon, and so could purchase these items at uh, salon rates. Oh, and then no. resell them on eBay that at a is different illegal. rate. <laughs> that That's definitely sound illegal. illegal. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Boy. Yeah. Oh wow. Cool. So, um, and and my my only other good story from that is there there are a lot of people that were doing that right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the 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 moment I knew that I was made that I was really good at my job is when uh-huh. all the other people selling the same products started stealing my photos and my product descriptions. Wow, <laughs> there you go. Um, and with my product descriptions, I really went kind of buck wild, so it was pretty <laughs> obvious. That's funny. Like, what would you say if you're trying to sell a curling iron? Well, like, the, the thing the is, pitch? people don't really care. I mean, if the picture looks good, and yeah. you have the you have the basic part where you're like, okay, you know, like new in box, you know, like here's our return policy, all that stuff. That's the part they care about. When you actually write a description, I figured out pretty mm. quickly I could just do whatever the hell I wanted. Um, I started describing iron, like flat irons, as having like searing heat that could, you know, purify your hair. I started kind <laughs> of <Whoa>. being poetic <laughs> and ridiculous, um, yeah. which again made it even more obvious that people were stealing my writing because That's no funny. sane person would do that. <laughs> That's funny. Well, it sounds That's like you've definitely had some experience, at least in the realm of like trying to appeal to a customer base, uh, for sure. Uh, and Magellan, I know as a teacher, you must deal with like having to put a on a good base. face. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a different kind of customer base to be yeah. a little bit like glib, right? But yeah. also like management yeah. telling you to be nicer and make sure the kids like you, and but also make sure they all get the right grades and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, this question of like morale is a really weird one in the context of being a teacher because, I mean, as with many things, it's sort of like in a way teachers are like it's a performance profession in some ways in some ways teachers are like middle managers of their students if you want to be like really grim capitalist about it and so i don't know there is the sort of like adult team level of morale where it's like oh we've got snacks in the teacher's lounge and like hmm. it's it's the history team's turn to pick the snacks this month or whatever which was a real thing. And I've seen it. I've been in at least one of your teacher's lounges and I can't say that it's exactly like the happiest place on earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, it's, it's people just rushing to hit deadlines and be like, Hey, what's up? Hey, right, good. Right, okay. Right. Bye. <laughs> and so there's efforts to like, kind of 
decorate it up and like decorate your space and all this stuff about the cubicles like obviously you know you got to decorate your classrooms but then there it becomes an expectation of like why didn't you put the bulletin boards up or whatever so there's kind of the like adult morale stuff but then also the managing of you to make student morale good which is (laughs) soul crushing so like Mm -hmm. it's kind of this weird weird middle space um but yeah, I, d- I definitely have had, I mean, like I've surveyed students about like, you know, how do you feel about XYZ? I've, I've responded to surveys about how happy or fulfilled I am and those sorts of things happen, but I've never really seen like much immediate action come out of things like that. No, the definitely. Way that, I, the way I, that it does in this episode. Yeah. I sort of have, um, when I worked in retail, the only thing that they would like push us to do more of was upsell people on, uh, you know, like make sure you get your flu shot and like every flu shot that our store got would like be really good. That was like my pharmacy experience. Uh, my sales job was obviously my biggest, like, uh, one of the hardest things for me was keeping morale up. Uh, and I specifically remember, um, having to learn the hard way that when your boss asks what you think of the job in like your first week, you can't say it's bad. You can't say like, I think that this, I, I didn't even say it was bad. I was kind of like, it could use some work. Like you guys, you guys could make this more efficient if you just did X, Y, Z. And what I actually specifically said at the time was, I think it's a little bit demoralizing for some people um, because it's a sales, like basically a sales job on a research study. And my boss took, and I have to not be clear specific with anything here, but they took so much offense to that being like, why did you say demoralizing? I know. And then she like brought it up in a meeting later and was like, I noticed that Alan said that this job can be demoralizing. Does anyone else feel that way? Which is just disgusting. Oh, that sucks. Wow. Yeah, it really did. And it it, it left a bad taste in my mouth. And I'm really happy to be past that place because they don't care about morale and government. They're just like, you work a very easy job and make enough money. You have, you please live your own life outside of work. We encourage you not to. Um, I'm not encouraged to be friends with my boss and I'm not encouraged to act happy, thankfully, at my job. So that's one of my, my big pluses here. That's kind of freeing. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of talk in schools about being uh, solutions-oriented is mm-hmm. how it's phrased, mm-hmm. and uh, it's held against you. Maybe not explicitly, but it's, it's you know, it, people think of you a certain way if you're not solutions-oriented. Uh, Indeed. And, yeah. So, anyway. Um, so, this episode, uh, we have uh, the Viridian Dynamics ad. Not at the beginning this time. I checked. I made sure I knew this. But uh, the, the the ad this week is about uh, teamwork mm-hmm. or cooperation, which seems a little bit different from morale. Uh, I know you mentioned it yeah, in your notes now. Yeah, I was going to say that. I think it's a little misaligned. Like, it, it feels like the whole episode is about kind of interpersonal relationships in the workplace, um, sort of. But it's really about this larger theme of, like, morale and how happy you are. So it does seem kind of weird that their choice was to say that the theme is teamwork when it could have been like happiness or morale or something like that. But I did I did like the line where uh, <laughs> that commercial ends with it saying, teamwork, it keeps our employees gruntled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought that was... A line that, that hits very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have a couple different plot lines. We have the sort of like uh, the different... Uh, ways that Veronica tries to like split up the office based on their interests because she's told by Linda that like uh, you know people want to feel like a little bit more individual here and not feel like cogs in a machine 
And so Linda, uh, so Veronica naturally takes that and separates everybody into four predetermined personalities. Four different uh, cogs. Four different cogs in one big machine. And the fo- they are the following. The Green Bay Packers, Space, Cats, and Classic Cars. It's pretty good satire that these are all definitely things that I know I've had coworkers who are into, the, like, either or at least football, yeah. Space, sure. Cats, right. and Cars in general. Uh, where I'm like, oh yeah, that is somebody's thing, but th- and those are all very inoffensive for things that would never interfere with your work. So I thought that was really funny. Um, yeah. I'm curious what each of you fall into if you had to be in this. <laughs> yeah, of of the four genders, which one is? Mine? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm space. Uh, it's pretty easy for me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Why why are you space? Because I love space. Last last <laughs> night at like okay. one a.m., I woke up and tweeted a bunch about how cool stars are. Like I'm helpless. <laughs> Okay, that's pretty cool. No, Pluto, it's really Pluto not, not being a planet you. anymore. I mean, you? you know, listen, I it's it's there is a romance to the idea of Pluto being a planet, but dwarf planet's a pretty good name, and it is true it hasn't cleared his neighborhood. I can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's fair. Pluto not being a planet was a very uh, what's it called? Um, a very like two thousand nine space debate. <laughs> it's like, oh, remember Pluto not being a planet? That was like the conversation yeah it was like water cooler talk i mean you could start any conversation with like so here pluto's not a planet anymore for the next like year (laughs) you had a bunch of you had you had people being like so what what is it now my very excellent mother just baked nine yeah like what is that (laughs) (laughs) i can't remember that i'm gonna forget all the planets now exactly um alan what's your what's your thing what are they again? Packers? Packers, space, cats old cars, classic cars. Yeah, probably space too. Um, yeah. I'm between space and cats. Kind of depends on the mood. But as we see in this episode, being the cats person really puts you in a box. It really puts you in like a scary box. I'm sorry. Well, I would love to, to sit at yeah, that lunch that table. Uh, yes, I mean exactly. That's the point, right? But at least the space conversations are like, "Oh, is Pluto a planet?" Or like, "We're gonna make Houston. We have a problem." Jokes like these are fun bits, but. The cat people are get quickly become obsessive. On the one hand, they do give each other cats, which is or they give Linda. Yeah, a cat. I, I would be a cat person. I mean, the pictures are really cute, and you your friends get you a kitten. That sounds nice. I, I think s- one of our listeners, Nick, actually sent us something that or a gif of the scene where where Linda walks up to her desk and sees all the cats, and it was like day one on the internet. <laughs> Just, <laughs> there's cats everywhere. That's funny. I do have to correct myself before it ruins my life forever. That this is just my reputation. It's served nine, not not baked. Saturn doesn't start with a B. Oh, no one. Oh, how are you supposed to be the space person? To be honest, to be honest, I just know the planets. I never really use those mnemonics. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The mnemonic is like more confusing. I'd have to think of the planets first to think of the mnemonic. Like. I never use please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. I just use PEMDAS because that yeah. is yeah. Yeah. I do right. use King Philip came over for good sex, though. Just for fun, you to see. That one doesn't relate to anything. You just <laughs> no. like saying it. Kingdom phylum order class genus species. Oh. But King Philip came over like... for good sex. Oh, family. Oh. I forgot family. Oh, family. Okay. Family genus. Yeah, whatever. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think where the, what the, the like direction of this plot goes because this episode kind of like... Wanders I mean, around, so there are three. It? Well, there are like three clear plots that are happening, and we okay. could sort of decide which ones we want to talk about first. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also curious. Six 
you picked this episode. Do you, you mm-hmm. have experience with Better Off Ted? Like, have you seen the no, whole thing? No, no, I don't. I was like, I just sort of looked at it and was like, oh, it's an episode where everyone's bummed out. I should probably be on this one. <laughs> okay, cool. I think we would have p- picked this one for you if, uh, if you were like, pick one. So that's pretty fun. Um, so maybe you can help us decide where to start. We've got three plots. There's basically the survey results send different characters off in different directions. Veronica learns that people don't like her because she's very severe. And so she spends the episode trying to get people to like her more. Ted learns that he's not that popular with old men because he's young and handsome and successful and they're all jealous of him. So he tries to get old men to be his friends. I hate these old men. Yeah. (laughs) And Linda um, is dealing with the fallout of the sort of like restructuring and uh, culture building to to create more team dynamics and and boost morale. So six, where do you want to start? Of, so of I know this is I know that this is a, a large degree of me projecting, but I really enjoyed the storyline of Ace Icon Ted. He's so yes. Thank you for saying what we're all thinking. <laughs> when they're talking about how we all used to have affairs and like I'm going to take you to a strip club, and he's like, no. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> it's like oh you got the waitress's number and he's like yeah i sure am gonna take advantage of that <laughs> i'm gonna have right. sex with her tonight <laughs> oh god yeah. i knew you were gonna like that line that's fantastic <laughs> yeah. okay cool so we'll talk about ted so i thought it was pretty funny that whole first scene where the guy is telling veronica about the poll results or the survey mm-hmm. results is like i don't know if Y'all felt this way, but I felt that it was like paced kind of badly. It was like slow and I think it was edited poorly or directed not that great or something. I don't know. It was just off. But because the script seemed good, but then the lines were like cut to this character. I will say my full line. And now there's like a two second gap cut to this character saying their response line that should have been faster. Yeah, the pacing was odd. Better Off Head's not a very like, it's not always a snappy show. It can be. But especially when yeah. they introduce like side to your tertiary side characters, you're just like, oh, you're just going to say your thing and then we're going to cut. Like, okay, right, right, not... right. I feel... um, but there were some fun lines in that scene where Veronica's like, shut up, you little bean counter. And he's like, for the third time, please don't call me that or whatever. Um, but then his whole thing to Ted is like, you're good. You don't need to change a thing. It's just these old guys over 50. And Ted's like, well, you know, I'm or what does he say? He's like, well, my father's over 50, and he... Oh, wait. And there's a lot of <laughs> jokes about how Ted's dad hates him. And then he, he ends up trying to flirt with uh, and get on the good side of Manny, who's like an older dude. Um, so I'm curious what we think of this whole sequence, where basically Ted like ingratiates himself with the middle-aged middle manager guys, and then it kind of like spins out of his control. What do we generally think of that of that plot? Um, I definitely, I, the, the part at the beginning of the early in this, when he's talking to Bob and he's trying to flirt with him and the guy's like, oh, you're firing me. Like you're about to fire me. I've definitely like seen that sort of ageism in different job spaces where like, Mm -hmm. especially people over 50 that work in retail, for example, are like, yep, any day now they're going to replace me with an 18 year old who works twice as hard. So I'm just going to keep collecting checks until they do that. Uh, or like people in like, you know, in government who are like, okay, you guys could clearly do better than me, but you're keeping me out of obligation and because of union Mm -hmm. contracts. So like that guy being ready to be fired was a little bit real. Um, but, uh, you know, all of the like 
courting them stuff, I think works because it's very funny how much they lean into like these guys would have lived during Mad Men times and been like, ah, it's so <laughs> right, fun right, that yeah. we can like have affairs and like we go out and like drink during lunch breaks and go to a, like even to me, I, mean, I know people like even our age do this, but to go out to a restaurant for lunch seems weird to me. I'm mm-hmm. like, why do you have that much time to like go eat and maybe drink? Yeah, and maybe the, go to the part where they're like, we're going to go to a strip club tomorrow. It's like, how long is your lunch break? Because <laughs> I, I get maybe like 25 minutes to No, there's just a microwave. strip club in the, in the on the bottom floor of the building. It's oh, right next to the Medieval Fight nice. Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's convenient. Um, Yeah, so I thought that stuff was really strange, but uh, I, I liked it because it's just, they, they don't pull any punches. Like, Better Off Ted is always at its best when they're like, yeah, these guys just wanted, they wanted like all sleep with wives. And then they do like the old white people party towards the end where they're yeah, all just like dancing yeah. in the office and their dance moves are extremely bad. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I, I, I found myself giggling a lot at this plot line. Yeah. I thought that line was so, like you're, what you're saying, we're better off. This is the episode where they really, I think, are the most precise with the satire. I think it's mm-hmm. honestly one of the best written episodes of, of what mm-hmm. we've seen. Um, But that part where the guy's like, Oh, you would have loved it in the old days, Teddy. There was no such thing as sexual harassment. <laughs> it's just like they totally are painting this caricature of, of this guy to to get at what's wrong with this sort of like old Mad Men era mentality of, of being a business person. Right. I think and, this show uh, doesn't like yeah. boomers very much. It Yeah, it is kind of anti-boomer, huh? It seems like. Yeah. It's is kind there of other interesting. stuff in the episode that made you feel that way? Or in the show. I mean, this is this is the only episode I've ever seen. So yeah, um, yeah, all the old men stuff definitely felt like oh, we're joking about like those are the old style guys. We don't like them anymore. He's like Ted. Tomorrow we're taking you to lunch. Make sure you bring dollar bills and a lap. <laughs> yeah. just, they just say stuff like that with their full chest because they've lived and been here long enough that they know they can get away with stuff. But uh, the way that they talk about, like, oh, you didn't used to get people. They, these are definitely the types of men who would say, like, people didn't used to get offended about everything. <laughs> like, right, exactly. Yeah, Sensitive snowflakes kind of guys. Yeah. It, uh, and it's interesting to see kind of, like, how even the littlest bit of approval from Ted completely opens them up from being these downtrodden, ugh, everything sucks to these <laughs> openly we're getting drunk and, and hitting on people and mm. craning our necks to look at women's butts and stuff. Yeah. It's like they can flip on a dime, you know? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, but I think it, I believe it ends up working out for a while for Ted until he realizes that he has to be a boss again. And they're literally having a party in an office and he's like, get out of here. And then he touches his desk and he's like, why is this sticky? And they're like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so he kicks them out and realizes that I actually kind of liked his character development here where he's like, oh, I don't have to, not everyone has to like me. Like part of Ted's character we're learning is that he desperately wants people to like him. Um, kind of opposite of Veronica in a way who's just like, I don't care that nobody likes me. And so he's learning that he can be like that and that doesn't make him a bad person. Uh, Yeah, they sort of parallel each other a little bit, right? Because Ted, like it just inherently wants everybody to like him. He admits it at the beginning of the episode and his growth arc, like you're saying is being able to say, yeah, there are going to be some people out there that hate me. Whereas Veronica at the beginning is like, if people are scared of me, it sounds like it's their problem. Yeah. And then she takes the time at the end of the episode to go talk to Phil and she does it in a pretty callous Veronica way, 
but like she tries to let him down easy, you know, Mm -hmm. in a way that shows that at least out of all of this, she has developed some shred of empathy. Um, So it's kind of funny that like Ted and Veronica each kind of get a little bit of the other person as they go through their, their plots. And also, I mean, like, so I don't have the context of the larger show, but it seems like um, comments are kind of in general a new thing for her. And her her yeah, final yeah. her final bit is like, and no more comments unless it's really your best work, which does seem like a step for her. Yeah, true, true. That's that's a good point. That moment where she kind of like reflects on it and says, "Well, there are sometimes where it's where people are worthy of praise." Yeah, that that feels like growth. Mm-hmm. And and you get to watch Lem be like, "Ah, screw this," and rips up his best work, and then she says, "And let's do best work," and he's like, "Damn." <laughs> yeah, I I want to talk a little bit about film them and and just in the veronica plot because i'm i'm actually curious about for both of you um when veronica praises that she's like going around and praising everybody she's got her hair down and i think they shoot it pretty well where it's like okay this is she's pretty but also this is really unsettling that she's like got such long hair and she's letting it down i don't know it's almost medusa-esque yeah yeah, and then she's saying these like weird compliments like, Oh, I love what you've done with the what what hair you have left and stuff like <laughs> to that. The balding guy, yeah. Yeah. And then Portia de Rossi does such a great job of making every smile look so painful. Um, <laughs> and then she goes and, and like compliments Phil and Lem in these very vacuous ways where she's like, Oh, this is so great, good job and they're like, Oh, we didn't turn on the microscope or whatever. Yeah, I love that part. Yeah. And then she um, repeats it verbatim again. She's like, this yeah. is so good. Great job. Thank you for yeah. showing me this. Yeah. And uh, and Phil and Lem react totally differently. And I'm curious what both of you felt about, like, who are you more so when you're, like, praised for something? Are you the Phil who's like, yes, feed me? Or are you the Lem who's like, no, you that praise must be wrong. I'm going to disprove everything that you're saying about me. Because I think both of those are, like, definitely pretty relatable um i can i can jump in because basically i think at my most confident i'm definitely a lem in that case um because phil is like oh i'll take every single compliment you can get and i've definitely been like that with some things before like i like to be complimented i think it's valuable to compliment your employees um because that is actually a, a legitimate way to boost morale if it's if it's sincere and you're not just like wow you did good thank you for doing good um but ultimately, I land more on the Lem side of like, he's not just saying like, I'm going to dismantle all your compliments. He's more saying like, I only accept compliments that feel legitimate. Like, I feel like I earned them. Right. I want you to tell me that like my big, like you said, my biggest, my best project is good. I don't want you to tell me that like, you know, the RNA slide is really good because any like a grad student could do that. It takes five seconds to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's the, where I tend to now land as an adult of like, I don't want to just get comments for no reason. That just feels, like you said, vacuous and empty to me. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I, I'm a I'm a modified limb where I get the compliment. Yeah. And then even if it's sincere, I assume it's probably not really sincere and they hate it. <laughs> so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. I'm I'm there. I'm with both of you that, in the limb space. But I did really relate to, to Phil. Um his line where he's like hey some of us don't have to be married to my wife (laughs) like just like i don't know that not that i you know i'm in a horrible marriage or whatever but i just uh thought that that was pretty funny magellan you know you can talk to us 
You're allowed to say these no, things. No, that's not. That's not what I meant. But the, you have moments where you're like, "Come on, I'm having a bad day. Like, I want to. I want to feel." Just good. say nice things to me, please. Sure. Yeah. yeah sure. Yeah. Um, I, I feel yeah. like the character development in this and both of these episodes is kind of a little bit forced here and there, where like we keep getting reminded that Phil hates his wife, and it is very funny the way that he hates his wife because yeah. Six, I don't want to like get, tease you with my own read, but I definitely like see a bit of queerness between Phil and Lem. Um. It's less so in this episode, but in earlier episodes, they were definitely like, I like you more than everyone else that I've ever been around mm-hmm. in a way that feels like more than just friendly. Um, so there's that. But then also like Ted doesn't like his dad. Ted now suddenly we'll talk about this in episode two, but he hates his wife like a lot. And it's like, why his ex-wife? Yeah, his ex-wife. Why are we being like fed this character development that I don't need? Like, I don't. Yeah. Uh, when's Linda going to finish her children's book? yeah it it is they do hammer the phil hating his wife stuff a lot and in the second episode i think it's less relevant in this one at least it sort of kind of explains like why he's falling so madly in love with veronica so quickly and why he swoons over things like when she says and good job having a wife (laughs) or whatever (laughs) good good for you for having a wife yeah which is what i say when i meet someone that's married by the way it is kind of a rehash of like episode two, where we also get that plot beat of Phil is like attracted to Veronica and she uses that against him or whatever. Yeah. So they're kind of rehashing that territory a little bit. This show is making me not trust my bosses. I know you already shouldn't. And we just came off of what was it, six? Like International Bosses Day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a fake holiday that nobody should be celebrating. But I like that this show is like corporate structure inherently corrupts everybody up top and all go progressively going down to be more competitive to be uh ruthless and to be unempathetic uh whether it's veronica not knowing how to compliment people naturally or whether it's ted like not knowing how to stop competing against people and i think that that's like the show one of the show's major themes and it's interesting that like so the the, the show at least at least in this episode i assume it's a larger thing portrays ted as being a pretty good boss right yeah, better than at least Veronica. Yeah, he's yeah. pretty well liked. Yeah. Um, and it is interesting that the show's idea, the sh- what the show is saying, like, hey, the people who make the best bosses are desperate people pleasers, and that's not yes. great either, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. There's an inherent yeah. paradox to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think the show, you know, one of the things that it's trying to do is deconstruct that uh, idea of Ted as the sort of like boss that the employees love but in actuality he's just kind of an empty suit who like does what people ask him to do or does what people are gonna like Mm -hmm. and it gives him good results on these surveys but you know at the end of the day is that really a great boss i don't know kill all bosses um i also want to i want to conclude by talking about my favorite plot of this episode though which is uh linda dealing with the different cliques that form as a result of these new categorizations that they're placed into um, categorizations she, huh cat mm, yes houston we have a problem <laughs> i love so that to me that he kept saying it over they're like over. please stop we get it we get it uh she's disappointed by the fact that she's given the cat the categorization of being a cat lover um because she's like hey she john and i were literally talking last night uh with our buddy Jim about like uh, dating apps and the whole idea of uh, like picking your interests on an app like that mm-hmm. and how frustrating it is that like coffee is considered an interest because like coffee is not a hobby. 
for most people, coffee is just a thing that you need to survive and like uh, a thing maybe that you enjoy occasionally, but it's not a defining member aspect of anyone's personality, I don't think. Um, so the cats is in the same category where it's like, you're a cat person. What does that mean about you? Does it mean anything? Like, what kind of conversations can you really have about cats? Yeah, I think what's interesting about uh, this was my favorite plot of the episode was Linda's mm-hmm. plot. And I think what um, is compelling about it is it it sort of gets at the heart of like when you're in a workspace and you're trying to make connections with people, you start from like such shallow places Mm. um and like it can sometimes be the littlest thing that makes you think like okay this this person's cool like wow they they watch game of thrones too or you know like you the stuff that gets you to free friends with people at work yeah like water cooler stuff well and it's interesting yeah you just you find like the thing that's like the thing that you share and then they're sort of exaggerating that and heightening that in this episode it's interesting because i feel like the four different clicks kind of represent different angles on which people have these right like yeah mm-hmm. the cat one mm-hmm. is like it's such a basic question that people treat it like like a gender binary are you a cat person or a dog person right, <laughs> right it's so right. low level um but then you have the ultra specificity of the green bay packers fans <laughs> and then you have like the the space which is kind of a stand-in for nerds which is like okay that is sort of midway between where it is broad, but it is also sort of self-selecting. There are people who would specifically not want to be space people. And then there, there are yeah. car people. It's I just I feel like each one of them kind of represents like a, a way of thinking about hobby in a way that I think that's kind of neat. Yeah, yeah that's true. And they they also represent Yeah, because you interact with those those differently, right? Like cats do cat people do what what they do in this episode where Linda's like, Oh my gosh, have you seen the one where he flushes the toilet or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Space people are talking about like the things they've learned and Green Bay Packers people are talking about the game and classic cars people are like, check out this car or like, man, I would love a throttle inside my G2 or whatever. <laughs> they say. Whoa, that's that's kinky, man. That slow it down here. That's for the Patreon episodes. Magellan, I, I, I really I wish we'd gotten more with the other two clicks. I would have loved if there was just a recurring bit of like Green Bay, you know, the Green Bay people walking through yeah, and being like, like, I'm going to kill Coach table. Jones. And being like, yeah, uh, really okay. <laughs> they squandered that. They squandered that. Yeah. But, um, but I like the cat I, stuff was so good. And yeah. I, I loved the exchange. <laughs> I love the line from, from, um, from Sheila, by the way, the woman who's playing Sheila plays, uh, Stevie's mom and Malcolm in the middle, which is yeah. a funny crossover. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I loved her line where she's like trying to figure out, there must be some greater significance to the cats thing. It's almost like people who like horoscopes feel like this to me, you know, when people <laughs> try to make a big deal about horoscopes and they're all bullshit and it's like, what's your sign? Oh, you're a, Oh, Scorpio. That makes sense. Or like, Oh, I wouldn't have expected you or a Scorpio. It's always one of those two. Oh, responses. you're a Virgo. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, I'm not talking right. to you anymore. I can't date. And, and then it's like, okay, what does that mean? Like, oh, well, this, this, this. And so she's trying to make sense of cats in that way where it's like, oh, I must have been assigned cat person for a reason. Cats are quick, smart, and independent, just like just like you, me, Debbie, and Bruce. <laughs> really, I really laughed hard at that line. Comedy's not get, lost it, there, yeah. Yeah, because it gets, it gets at that thing of like people are really desperate to kind of find, you know, whatever the thing is that they can relate with other people on and also really want to feel that that thing 
makes them unique. And I'm not separate from that, not to speak about it as if I'm like above that or something. But I think that line just gets to the heart of how kind of silly a lot of those things can be. Mm-hmm. And it, it it doesn't view all of that identifying with like cat traits negatively because Linda instead finds an actual, even like the Ted voiceover is like, Linda found a community of people that have similar interests to her. Yeah, she made friends. Which is exactly what she wants, right? Is yeah. She wants to like feel a sense of community and feel like she's part of something bigger and not part of a, like, not just as a cog, but as something that's like, we actually like this of our own accord, not by what the work defines for us as being cat people. But mm-hmm. naturally, you you've given people interests, and you've given them separate interests. And what you're not na- you're making inherently is clicks, uh, because she right. tries talking to the space people at lunch, and they keep making Houston we have a problem jokes, and uh, all the cat people feel super betrayed. They're like, "You said you were a cat person, you can't be both." As someone with 18 million hobbies, I felt offended by this. I was like, "No, I need <laughs> both at the same it, time." It sort of reminded me of like at my at the school that I work at. Um, Kids get put into houses like Harry Potter type things. Bummer. That <laughs> Big have, bummer, dude. Have names. They're named after like historical figures. So there's like four houses. Wait, and, wait, um, wait. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta. What are the houses? Know who the figures are? Yeah, what are the houses? Um, well, I guess they're not all historical, historical, but the. I hope this doesn't enable anybody to look up where I work, but <laughs> we can figure it out. Probably not. The houses are, um, it's. Obama, Clemente, Sotomayor, and Morrison, like Tony Morrison. Oh, Interesting. So, so you get like put into one of those houses. And then there's just a lot of stuff about like, you know, when there's like a full grade meeting, it's like, hey, shout out your house or whatever. And it's all, and you know, when we do teacher training at the beginning of the year, like we read a thing that basically says, yeah, this is all made up, but that's how it works. If you just tell someone like, hey, you're in this group now, then it has meaning to them <laughs> if you just say that it exists. I mean, that's... And it kind of is crazy to me, but it, it works. Yeah, you know? it's, like a, it's like a basic, you know, human, like, psychological effect. You know, if you take groups of people who've never met each other and you say you're in group A and you're in group B, one of the first thoughts people in group A will have, man, fuck group B. It just happens. <laughs> yeah, group B sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and this felt just like that, that it's like, what, you're at the space table, but the cat, you're a cat person and there's a cat person table. You're betraying us right now. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, both how we were separated by two houses in middle school Right, um, we that happened to us too, yeah. Yep, and then also there's a great SpongeBob moment where they, I think I forget if they're like making a football team or what, but it's an episode of SpongeBob where he's they're like, uh, you know, we have red team, blue team, and gold team, and then immediately once all of them separate, there's like a big Jacks guy and gold team who's like, gold team rules, <laughs> like just <laughs> I yeah. now I now identify as gold team because I've been told that that is what I am. <laughs> yeah, um, the weird thing for us in middle school was like the house or. The houses changed by grade, which was odd. And yep. then the house that you're in determined like which teachers you had and what schedule you had. Yeah. So you like, you know, had this knowledge of this other half of the grade that existed that you never interacted with. And so you just have these ideas about like, yeah, fuck those guys. Didn't they split the house, like the the floor in half? So like all of the one team would be on one half of the floor. That I don't remember going to true. the other half. 
I it, it either they split the floor or it was on different floors or something, but there was yeah. you d- you had different teachers. I yes, know for that's sure. True. So yeah. and like, also you had you those know. uh those collars that they give dogs so they can't leave their yard. Yeah, the shock collar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it shocked you. Must have, that was weird. I, I guess our school was built on, or our high school was built in. Wasn't it? Didn't it used to be a prison? <laughs> think so uh yes it was when no, i was built by a prison architect our built high school also architect. had houses but it was like house one house two and house three like they they gave up on it being any sort of cultural thing and it was purely <laughs> organizational which is i believe fun. i was house two uh i think i was also house two my high school okay. only had two houses which were lunch a and lunch b which lunch period did you oh, have? Yeah. <laughs> and i was i believe the only person who was both lunches because I just always skipped my <laughs> I just skipped and went to both lunches every every day. You were you were like I, lo- I loved I love to imagine that there are like people who knew who knew you who meet and are like, Yeah, six is so cool. I'm I'm so glad that six is in lunch A and then the other person is like, No, wait, six is lunch B. What are, what are you, you talking about? I mean listen Why are you lying I to also me, Gary? I also carried around a monkey wrench in my backpack in high school. I was a character. <laughs> you were oh, yeah. My <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wish that we were friends in high school. Awesome. <laughs> um I think the other hilarious line though, uh, when the woman comes up to to Linda and she's like, I thought I just thought we were friends, you know cats have a feather and she's like what does that mean she's like we made shirts if you had been there you would have seen that he made shirts that say cats yeah. have a feather on them very yeah. silly um we gave you yeah, a she cat just... <laughs> we, we gave you a whole cat <laughs> which it's a very cute cat by the way i'm glad cat. they cast that cat really well cat cast um but yeah so she uh is not able to to be in both clubs and then uh how does her plot line like end basically um, the cat people vandalize her cubicle and they oh, yeah. uh, put cat poop in what they think is her car, but it's Veronica's car. Ah, and then yes. Veronica and Ted catch her vandalizing Sheila's cubicle and then they like shut the whole thing down. Yes. Okay. And then it ends in the tag with everyone hating Linda because she took away all the all their <laughs> all their individuality. Now they all have to be cogs again. Yeah. And uh then finally, we just get the Veronica Phil stuff. I'm glad this scene was brief, but Phil A is not a straight man, and B, uh, I I do I do see it as romantic the way he talks about like I'm so I like Veronica and I like it when she compliments me. We've seen that multiple times in the show, which worries me because I hope it doesn't become any more of a plot. I hope this is done forever. Mm. I yeah. don't. Veronica doesn't need a romance. Phil doesn't need a romance other than Lem. Like this, this should be not even a, a moment of discussion. I don't think it'll ever be a romance. I think they might do the joke again, but I don't think it'll ever be a romance. Romance. Yeah. She shuts him down. She says, "We could have been Magna Florius in another time and place. Two different people. <laughs> two other people. <laughs> yeah. Emphasis yeah, on two, two different people." people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, I like that. By the way, that she's like, I, I've been complimenting people so much and so reflexively that I started making up words, and so I started calling people Magna Florius, which I'm like, yeah, I think is a real word. No, I could be wrong. No, I don't think no, it's a real word. Real. Uh, no, yeah. I also like her uh, tell it like <laughs> getting getting some aspirin out of the cabinet and then saying, "Good job, cabinet." <laughs> Good job, cabinet. <laughs> <She's> so, <laughs> I, gotta, yeah. I gotta stop doing that. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I've never been told to compliment people more. I, that's disgusting. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, do we have any other straight notes on this episode, folks? Oh, I like the whole thing about how Linda's known 
to the bosses as the suggestion box lady <laughs> and like other people write suggestion box suggestions that she should stop hogging the box and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's like a good piece of character development for Linda that helps to make her character more of her own. Cause I think we, in the few first few episodes get so much Linda development. That's like about her and someone else, you know, and this is the yeah. first plot that's really like hers all to herself um so she's rebellious she's uh i was gonna start doing the megan the stallion song she's a savage no (laughs) she's rebellious (laughs) she uh has suggestions and she she has opinions which i think is great and then the other the other thing that i thought was really funny was when ted tries to introduce himself to to manny and he's like i can't believe this is the first time we've met and he's like it's (laughs) not we've worked on three projects together before (laughs) <laughs> it's my favorite line in Clone High when he's like, uh, Cleo, don't you remember me? I gave you a kidney. She's like, what? And then it cuts inside to his kidney and see, you see the missing kidney. It's like, I miss him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, a good episode overall. Indeed. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was entertaining and the satire is still very good. Um, but for now, that's what we got. Um, Six, thank you for guesting. Thank you for on having this first me. half. Yeah. Uh, would you like to plug anything or give us and or give us a chat? Sum? Sure. As far as a chat sum, uh, you should watch Common Rider X-Aid. What if doctors were curing a disease you got from video games by turning into superheroes? It's great. It's really good. You've been banging the Common Rider drum for what feels like years now. But I've always got a new show I've... for you. Yes. Um, but I'm glad you're still you're still on that that train. Um, I'll check out X Aid for sure. That seems like one of the, one of the ones in the list. I uh, I looked at um, some of the some of the Common Rider toys um, on eBay, and then eBay emailed me and was like, "Hey, you should really <laughs> buy this one. There's one left." And it, they the specific one they picked was the one that was like a dating sim like power up. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck! All right, <laughs> I guess I guess you got me. I literally run a visual novel podcast. You win." <laughs> You ended up buying it? Yeah. You're a legend. You're an icon and a legend. <laughs> it's expensive. Yeah, it looked expensive if I saw this. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, um, Yeah, go ahead and plug your other stuff. And then just, uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Sixdetmar, S-A-X-D-E-T-T-M-A-R. And uh, my work's on ScanlineMedia.com or Patreon.com slash ScanlineMedia. I do a lot of podcasts. Love it. I'm on some Sweet. of those, too. Meow. John's been on some of those, in fact. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. That's true. Um, cool. Well, thanks again. Um, John and I are going to take a break and then we're going to read some emails. And after that, we'll be right back to discuss You Are the Wait, Boss. Aren't they like T mails? Ted? Oh, Ted, Ted mail. Oh, God. I have to write a bumper now. <laughs> <laughs> Ted mail. Ted mail. Ted mail. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the email segment where we read the emails, comments, and feedback that you send to us. Uh, you can send emails yourself by go- heading over to chatspot at gmail.com and uh, we'll field your question and read it on the podcast. Uh, we have two emails this week, which is a new, is wow. a big one for us. Wow. Uh, we got a brief one from our friend Nick, who is a regular contributor to the show. Um, he says, great episodes. This is regarding uh, episodes two and three. Uh, of better off chats um i do think that we need some script reads of fan fiction between linda and veronica unless future (laughs) episodes already give us that uh 
Yeah, I was listening back to some scape chats recently, and the script reads are so fun. We, like, put music under them and, uh, like, did the voices and everything. It's very fun. And then we remember we did a whole crusade reading on the Patreon. Yeah, we've never, done, we've never done fan fiction, though, which could be yeah. a whole can of worms. I mean, listen, if people are interested and want us to do a series of fan fiction readings on the Patreon or something, I mean... We'll freaking do that. I would do it. In a heartbeat. I would do it. Um, there is a good amount of better off Ted fanfiction. I didn't see any Linda Veronica stuff at a quick glance, but I'll dig. I'll do the digging, damn it. And if not, I might write some. Oops, 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 oops. Um, I'm very excited to present this second email, Magellan. Yeah, me too. Um, we uh, received an email from a friend of the podcast. Longtime pal, who is getting back to sending us her memos here and there. Um, and this one is very wonderful. It is in regards to Better Off Chats, episode three. Um, John, do you want to read this one? Okay, so Omen says, Hi, friends. Finals are over. The Google Doc is open. Let's go. I really enjoy what I've seen of Better Off Ted so far. It's wonderfully watchable and not cringe. That's great. I like my comedy zany and my actors middling. And this is that. Checks all the boxes. <laughs> First off, I say I love this all the time. Have gratitude in the moment, my friends. It will change your life. That was a comment to how, thanks, how we started thanks. the episode last time. By being like, why would why, do people actually say, I, I love this? Which I think is, I, I'm joking, but I love, I would love people hey, to say that. Alan, it's great. I love this. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Oh. First, Omens' thoughts on season one, episode five. This is the medical malpractice episode. As a disabled adult, both plots made me vehemently angry. That's in, that's, uh, those words are capitalized. Because the writing says nothing to condemn either Ted's competitiveness or Lemon Phil's blatant malpractice and suable ethics issues. You're right that the satirical aspect got very muddled, so I'm going to focus on that for a little bit. The show gets right that often the disabled kid is the one kid who's off limits for physical violence, but kids are very in tune with movement. Uh, other kids and the world around them and are able to pick up even very slight differences as frightening all other types of violence are fair game and I could shock Alan at least with the threats I receive from children younger than Rose every day children aren't evil evil we just don't discuss disability with them like ever so they often jump to very violent conclusions about how you got your disability and then respond in kind the amount of times a rumor went around that I'd been shot or beaten up again because I was out of school for a medical procedure are unreal. Honestly, more important than teaching children to treat people equally or let the disabled kid win is teaching them this. When it comes to kids who look or seem different at school, they may feel uncomfortable, but that discomfort is their problem that we are going to work on together, not the fault of the disabled student for being disabled, um, or weird, or making people uncomfortable, or being too much uh, work to accommodate. People will make fun of the different kid and exclude them, and that's their problem. They're acting like an asshole and disrupting the learning environment. Everyone matters just by existing. Everyone deserves kindness and friendship, and everyone deserves their education. Society is inaccessible to disabled people because people thought we didn't have the right to exist in public. We do. Additionally, people may need different things to succeed. Just because the kid next to you has a different teacher to help them or tools on their desk that look different to yours doesn't mean you can't be friends or in the same group project. It's not going to fix bullying forever, but anything to take the edge off. Also, the way the general is portrayed as an icky gay pre-don't-ask-don't-tell uh, repeal is fucking exhausting. 
I have no other opinions. He's just tiring. This joke is so dated. I thought you were better than this sitcom from 11 years ago, canceled after two seasons at the height of the Great Recession. I shouldn't be disappointed, but I am. Linda, however, is absolutely delightful. I see her as an emotional chameleon, both in terms of personality and her, uh, and in terms of her role on the show. She doesn't seem to have a very stable sense of self, but there are always a few things in common, and I like that in a comedy, you always need that character who's kind of surprising and able to roll with the punches and handle a lot of situations, and Linda's that character here. It's also fitting that she's dissatisfied with her life and trying to figure out who she is. She's trying on a different hat every day, seeing what feels good. It feels organic. Wow. Yeah, so a lot of really great stuff. I mean, I think Omen's expressed um, really well and in a lot more detail and nuance what we were sort of trying to get at last week, just in terms of what felt wrong about the approach of that episode to um, the disabled character that's that's talked about at, at Rose's school. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that insight. And then agreed with yeah. the general stuff. And then that's a good way to think about the Linda stuff that reframes sort of my frustration with how they're handling Linda to be maybe it's a positive instead of a knock against the show. Right. Like she's flexible because she's trying to figure out what her personality is. She's not just like being written that way. I think that's a very good read. Um, yeah, no comments. I mean, I, I, I think that, that all the stuff about uh, the plot and the, the disability discussion is, is on point. And I think that her, her email speaks for itself there, but it is, really frustrating the way that kids are not taught properly to to like discuss disability or understand it really well um i'm sure we've all been extremely ableist at some point in our lives in various different ways um but it's it's important to listen to to different people's opinions and understand and teach kids at the right age that this stuff is really bad and really harmful um so thank you for that, Omens. Uh, she also sent a comment about episode six, so a little bit briefer here, um, saying, I really enjoyed this episode. It was entertaining, but bureaucratic hell doesn't amuse me. I also think I may have fallen asleep partway through. That's very fair and valid. Uh, Edward Marguerite Crisp did get a laugh, though, because Portia de Rossi is very precise with her timing, and I appreciate uh, that Dr. Bomba is lovely, and I hope we get to see more of him. Otherwise, you hit all the points I was going to make, and the above post got very long. Um, I started brunch a little while ago, and I need to grab two Cheddarwurst from the <laughs> dining hall, because this is the upper Midwest, and we do sausages and sauerkraut starting at 10 a.m. Love to you both amidst the madness, and I hope to hear from you soon. Warmest regards, Omens. Um, yeah, I, I was like filled with joy when we got this email. I was like, yes, it's the Omens memos yeah, are back, keep baby. Them in. <laughs> oh, that's what we miss hearing from you. Yeah, I know you're. You're very busy with everything and school and whatnot, so but we really it's a appreciate real your trip that when we started Scape Chats, like we were in college and now almost in college. And anyway, but I guess there's I know, some time I know. Place, right? Yeah, it, technically yeah. yes, but it still feels weird. Yeah. Um, great stuff. Yeah. So again, folks, if you would like to get your email read on the show, um, just go ahead and send it to chatspot at gmail.com. We also read tweets. So for like, we get like a long or a really good tweet. So don't feel uh, like you can't send stuff over there and not get it read. Um, but thank you both to Nick and, and Omens for sending emails. Uh, and we'll be right back after a brief message from Viridian Dynamics to discuss You Are the Boss of Me. Viridian Dynamics. Bosses. Everybody has one. 
Without bosses, we'd be like these worms. Disgusting. Bosses make everything better. So listen to your boss. And don't question them. Otherwise, you're no better than a worm. Viridian Dynamics. Bosses. Necessary. Welcome back to Better Off Chats. Hi, Alan. You're still here. Somehow I'm still here. But despite all it all, it's still me. This, what's that song? Despite it all... Despite... You're a Wonderwall? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And we've got a real Wonderwall with us. I mean, I don't know if you want to tell the folks who's here. I do, if you'll allow me. I'll uh, allow you, because this... you're my Wonderwall. Oh my god, thank you. For this episode, folks, we are now joined by a friend who will hopefully bring a lot of street cred to this conversation. It's best friend of the podcast, Jim. Hi, folks. Wow. Jim, is this your first official main chats feed appearance? I think it is. Introduce the, the kids to you. Jim's one of our best friends. He's sort of the third person in, in our in our chats pizza pie. Uh, we've all been friends for very long, and we love Jim very much. Aw. That's so sweet. Jim, what's Thank a fun you. fact about you? We'll do this like a really oh, boring man. work icebreaker. Yeah. What's a fun fact about you? Uh, a fun fact about myself is I enjoy my... Uh, cereal with the milk in first, and then no. I put in the dry cereal. No, and you then don't. Do you do I, that? I, I, I don't. Okay. No. I, I, I was trying to think of a fun fact that I would share at a work-related function. and then I don't know if I, I ever uh, talked about this on chats, but I had a big debate in a homeroom class of mine like two years ago about mm -hmm. whether kids put the cereal or the milk in first. And there was one student who was insistent that she puts the milk in first. And she was like, well, you got to heat the milk. And everyone was like, what? <laughs> You're doing what? You're heating the milk? But that's what she did. She had hot milk and then put cereal in it. So, You ever have a hot grape? You have to. You, you've told me that story, at least to me. I don't know if it's been on a podcast, but it's a classic. It's been on a podcast either. Um, hot grape, though. Good food. That's good eating. Hot grape? What do you do? You put it in the microwave? No, don't. If you're at home, don't put a grape explode. in a hot grape. It's Wouldn't full it of water. Explode? Yes. Um, no, a hot grape is they dip grapes in like caramel, like heated caramel. And not it's not caramel. It's like just sugar. Like it's, oh. you know, clear sugar. Okay. And you bite into it. It's got like a little crunch on the outside and then it's a grape. But the crunch part is warm. I had this at a street fair last summer. And there's a really great video of one of my friends going, it's an interesting flavor. <laughs> hot, hot grape. And then he goes, hot grape. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably post that yeah. and become a meme. Yeah. Hot, hot grape. It's a very classic grape. Um, well, I don't even know how we got here. What's going on? Well, we're talking about like work stuff and like what we would, what's our fun fact about Jim? Yeah. yeah. Jim, what did you say what you do? Do, do we know what you do yet? Yeah, so I feel like this is going to be relevant for the uh, for the podcast. Yeah. Um, so I I am a uh, PhD candidate in a physics program, which makes me a scientist, a <gasps> lem, if you will. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, and I guess I will. Um, do you identify more as a phil or a lem, Jim? And this uh, is a, this is in fact an entrap entrapment question. But go ahead. <laughs> I I identify more as a. Uh, probably as a lem okay like i i think we all have moments where we're fills in our own lives um yep and uh i think that would also be like a really good introduction to my self-help tape 
Like we all have moments where we're fills in our life, but sometimes, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta strive for Lem. So. Lem is who we idea is who we, we wish we were and Phil is who we often are. Yeah. Um, anyways, <laughs> yes, you're a physics PhD student, uh, candidate rather, and you are, you've worked in many places before. Uh, this episode, uh, which is called you are the boss of me is about bosses. Uh, to introduce him, Ajali, can you go ahead and give me some, some episode credits? Sure thing. I would love to. So this episode, You Are the Boss of Me, was written by Dan O'Shannon, who's written for Modern Family, Cheers, Frasier, and of course, most important of all of those, Back to You. Uh, great, <laughs> great show. And directed by Paul Lazarus, who's directed on shows like, or is this a movie? What is this? I believe Slingshot's a show. I forget. I forget. I don't know. This our notes here say directed Slingshot, Dream On, and Seven Girlfriends. None of that means <laughs> anything to me. Um, it, this episode originally aired on June twenty third, two thousand nine. And Alan, what happened in You Are the Boss of Me? Well, Magellan, I'm glad you asked. In this episode. Phil and Lem invite Ted to Medieval Fight Club while his daughter's away with his ex-wife, but they come to regret their decision. Also, Linda comes to regret becoming Veronica's friend. <laughs> in a way, this episode's about regrets. It's also about <laughs> bosses, which go hand in hand. Yeah. So, Jim, you you requested to be on for this episode. You've seen Better Off Ted before, right? Yes, I am a Ted head. <laughs> Is that what the fandom calls themselves? <laughs> I, uh, I, I've been <laughs> you, petitioning you for the fandom the show, to call themselves. You follow the show on tour from city to city. and uh, Taking a lot of drugs. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, my kind of uh, uh, to contextualize my experience, I wound up watching Better Off Ted when I was in, uh, I think, high school. I think it was just after the show uh, went off the air. And then... Um, I, uh, uh, you know, I've been listening along with the, uh, along with the pod. Um, oh, and yeah, I, I just remember how much I really enjoy this show. What do you like about it? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a little bit weird, um, because I think that the show relies on some, it relies on some stereotypes about scientists uh, but yep. it does so in a way that's like very humanizing and I think funny. Yeah. So I, I th- this show kind of um, I, I think compares and contrasts really interestingly with The Big Bang Theory uh, uh, because they're both sure. whoa and you love they're both you love depictions. that show right you're a big fan oh man oh favorite? love big, love that Sheldo oh Bagoinga Sheldo <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, um, I, I mean, because these shows were out at roughly the same time. I mean, yes. Big Bang Theory obviously lasted a lot longer um, yeah. than Better Off Ted. But, when uh, Big Bang was premiere? Just... A couple of years earlier, maybe? Big Bang Theory. I'm looking it up. Keep talking. I think it might have been... I'll figure it out. I'm going to say 2007. I think I'm wrong about this, but if I am right, You're right. it's going to look huge. Congrats. There we go. So that's, that's an interesting part of the context of the show that we haven't considered, is it lives in a in a post-Big Bang world. And it's like, mm-hmm. we're going to do science. Nerds are fun again. Yeah. But anyway, go on, Jim. But, but I, I think... Uh, yeah, I, I think the thing that I really like about this is... Uh, even though Phil is kind of shown as a, a bit of a, you know, a pathetic character most of the time, uh, the show is overall just kind of 
a positive show. Everyone's kind of treated to their moment of being cool or, or doing something brave. And I just I, I just get the warm fuzzies from this show. I think it's, uh, yeah. yeah. It's I, very comforting to watch sometimes. I also think it's genuinely pretty funny. Yes, definitely. And uh, yeah. and there there's a lot of bold writing and um, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's also uh, a really interesting critique on uh, capitalism in America and specifically the roles of mega corporations, which is mm-hmm. also just a really interesting niche to kind of dive into for a, a you know a mainstream television program. Yeah, I can't think of another TV show that has done that that i've seen at least i've heard that there's that show corporate uh on whatever comedy central or something maybe but Mm -hmm. like and obviously there's like the office or like you know shows that are about workplaces but not necessarily shows that are about like big mega corporations but but the office doesn't feel anywhere near as critical of of its environment than that this right that too well i I, I think one of the uh, one of the other things is if you look at when the show came out, two thousand nine and two thousand ten were seasons one and two, right? And that's immediately following, uh, you know, the the financial crisis. Yes. Yeah. So you know you wind up seeing a lot of I, I think distrust of big corporations and faceless, uh, yeah, faceless aggregations of money. Yeah, which is like also True. kind of a cool place in history for this show to exist um but i liked yeah that this episode um was very much about bosses the problem with being friends with your boss thinking that you can and trying to form a relationship with your your manager and the problems inherent in in that um i know we want to talk about medieval fight club right away um but i think we can kind of get through the linda and veronica plotline a little bit quicker um, so I'd like to start with that. Uh, Veronica reveals very early on to uh, Linda that her driver at the end of this meeting where they're like, hey, thanks for staying late. And they're talking about brain surgery that makes everything that you eat taste sweet. I love <laughs> all of the research and development that gets done uh, on the show. Um, and she's like, oh, my, my driver died recently. We find out that it's her grandmother who didn't want handouts. So that she, so she chose to work as Veronica's <laughs> driver, which is a little implausible, but not that implausible that your grandmother would be like, yeah, you can call me your driver, like whatever. I think that's fine. Like I like driving you around places. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mm-hmm. not too bad. Um, so she ends up at, so uh, Linda offers to, to drive her around and she keeps trying to be like, so how much would that rate be for you? And she's like, no, I'm just being a person to you, uh, Veronica. I'm just trying to like be kind to you. <laughs> um, and so they go out and they get, they, do go on some errands they get they drink a bunch of wine and bing bang boom it turns out that veronica is revealing some secrets to linda when she's really drunk she's the kind of drunk who uh, uh doesn't like show her drunkenness during the the period of drinking but then it instantly passes out after a certain point which is very funny and then she is in her bed and linda like tucks her in and right before she leaves she whispers to linda that uh if i understood it correctly her grandfather dated eleanor roosevelt or at least had an affair with uh, with eleanor roosevelt yeah yeah Yeah, had an affair with eleanor roosevelt who hated men but loved onions and which the same (laughs) um and uh at first you're like that's just kind of a funny gag but it's probably true and so linda's worried like oh my god veronica like no just told me a secret about her life i 
don't ever find this very common where someone is drunk and then they use that as an opportunity to have them be open. I see that in TV a good amount, but I've never had that happen in real life where someone says something that they wouldn't have otherwise right, said. Right. Yeah. Just the use of like alcohol as a way of getting secrets out of people has always been weird. Like, I'm yeah, it's gonna, pretty, pretty rote. Yeah. But because of that, she's now like revealing all this stuff. And also like Linda's getting something out of it because like technically being friends with your boss can have some benefits. She lets Linda skip on, uh, skip out on certain projects so they can go out. Um, she helps do Linda's hair. It's weird that this is like Veronica doesn't know how to be friends with people unless it's in a manipulative, like dark way like this, which I think is kind of funny. Um, and so Linda's like super nervous about this. The part where this got so dark that I had to like pause was when she blurts out a meeting, a, a, a secret during one of the meetings, which is that she says, I used to feed my sister in her sleep so she wouldn't be scared of me. <laughs> I was like, oh no, the horror movie plotline is here. I don't like this. Yeah, I ultimately. I don't I didn't really know what to make of this plot because there's a lot of it that I found pretty funny, like when veronica is is passed out on her bed and then you get that close-up of linda like you want one of these like she's gonna punch veronica or something like you she's it's so harmless she's like you want you're gonna slug yeah <laughs> yeah and like that stuff i i thought that was pretty funny but then but just the joke of like these horrible things veronica has done ended up making me more upset than like making me laugh uh so i ended up oh not, interesting i ended up not loving this this particular plot i think my second time watching it i liked it more but the first time i was like oh this is just making me sad so yeah i mean it's super dark go ahead jim oh sorry um so for me i thought that this was a very funny b plot because Mm -hmm. um i i think that veronica is kind of the embodiment of corporate culture right true true and so like there's there's always this idea that there's some hidden cost to mm-hmm. to doing to doing a transaction with her, right? She's she's always like kind of looking for something. And so like this is kind of like seeing all of the company's dirty secrets like written down on their mm-hmm. books, like all yeah, of the like point. all of the like fucking gross stuff that they do, right? Um, just like brought to light, and I, I thought that it was it was very funny if you consider that Veronica's like a stand-in for the company, and mm-hmm. you know That's Linda's right. kind of the uh, the every person. Yes. Yeah. I also I do appreciate at least on a sort of abstract level also that the episode is playing on your expectation that oh Veronica on the inside is like a good person she just you know has like been hardened by her job or or whatever and so when she first divulges something you think oh okay it's pretty bad she got her grandpa deported but also he cheated on her grandmother so like maybe that's redeemable but then every step of the way it just gets more and more certain that veronica is an (laughs) awful person um where you might have expected at the beginning of the episode that Linda's going to discover that, you know, underneath it all, she actually is, she's actually okay. Um, so that at least tonally, I think is good for the show. And I like what you're saying, Jim, but then just the literal details. I was like, well, <laughs> but it's but so real life. <laughs> there's, there's also something which is, uh, uh, 
pretty yeah like like uh, just going off what you said um it, it's it's kind of interesting that like this episode kind of solidifies the fact that veronica isn't an awful person because she's not like an awful person because she's good at her job she's good at her job because she's an awful person right, right. and so yeah she can she's kind of like built for this corporate culture mm. yeah it, it, it's it's like, also very sorry yes no just like how ted is good at his job because he says yes to everything same idea yeah um like it's your bad quality that makes you a good employee uh, th- there's also something that I found kind of interesting in retrospect about this about this episode, and it's the fact that this is about boss employee friendships, right? Mm-hmm. And specifically, the thing that I find interesting is what they left out, which is oh. Veronica and uh, sorry, not Veronica and Ted. Well, actually, Veronica and Ted's relationship, or Ted and Linda's relationship. Yeah, of like a romantic relationship with your boss. You're saying. But but also, you know, Linda and Ted are friends, right? True. They're friends yeah, first. Yeah, you can have a positive boss-employee relationship depending on the dynamic. Right. But it's just interesting that they that they were exploring kind of, uh, um, yeah, yeah, like, like friendships that, yeah, had no romantic connection, I guess. Yeah, because it, it might I, get uh... kind of muddled if you get into the romance like that kind of can become its its own i'm sure they're going to do a plot that's like about like love is going to be the viridian dynamics thing at some point right i'd imagine but john you made a good point earlier that i briefly wanted to touch on which is that if this was another show like if this was a scrubs or a more earnest show like i always am in 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 favor of uh very earnest very positive like media because i think we need a lot of that but this is not the kind of show where the secret that Veronica is going to divulge is like, oh, I always actually loved my grandmother and I wish that she didn't want to work for me because I wanted her to like, I wanted to have a family relationship with right. her. It's like, no, no, no. She is also her cleaner. In fact, we're going to lean further into the joke because <laughs> that's way funnier and we're not trying to sympathize with the boss, yeah. which is something like The Office definitely does. Um, oh, so I think the comparison sure, there yeah. is very valid. Yeah, I mean, if this was like a Scrubs or like... Um something like that you know it's like dr cox is so standoffish and severe but then underneath it all he's sad and and lovable and uh that's just not that's just not how this show rolls yeah the the boss employee relationship here never resolves itself i mean this episode ends kind of sad for for all the plot lines somewhat uh you know veronica once she once linda like puts her foot down and says like i don't want you to like confide in me this stuff anymore i can't take it Veronica immediately starts snubbing her and like gave taking away job opportunities because she's it's it's all about power. And I can even use a little bit of my like business school learning in here to talk about like the way that you get your employees to like you is not by complimenting them like last episode. And it's not by trying to be friends with them, but by like treating them like they are people and just being a little bit empathetic to them and motivating them in ways that are helpful and not uh, manipulative. But Veronica is like, no, I'm actually going to give half of your cubicle to another guy because you said you don't like me. And now, fuck you. Like, just the the arrogance and the sort of, like, cruelty that comes from her is what, what keeps their tension stable throughout right. this past this episode. And also the guy that she gives that cubicle space to is Joe, who we learned earlier Veronica hates. But I guess she <laughs> hates Linda more now. Right. And... and at the end of the day, you're always going to have boss employee like power dynamics because some people just like power. Some people like competition and like being the best at something. And that causes that tension. Um, 
I want to also talk about uh, Medieval Fight Club now because that's like the the showcase of the episode. It's the new set piece. I always love it when the show brings out a new set. Um, but basically, we find out that uh, you know Ted is trying to be better friends with Phil and Lem uh, to imp- improve uh, relationships between the boss and the employee. But he he's like, let's go out drinking, and they're like, we can't. We have something going on tonight, and they invite him to it. And it turns out that in the basement of Ernie Dynamics. Uh, they're part of a group of employees who basically do a form of LARPing uh, that they call Medieval Fight Club, where they all dress like different medieval characters, and they have ranks, and you can battle with swords, with wooden swords in the arena uh, for the right to increase your rank. They created a class system. <laughs> Outside of work, they made their own class system. This is awesome. I loved this set. I loved watching all this stuff happen. Um, I thought this was really funny. What did we think about? Because um, we're all we're all somewhat ner- we're we're nerds here. We like medieval stuff. We've been to the Ren Fair, and now we get to see people using their their off time at work to go downstairs and beat the crap out of each other. It's like a it's like nerd fight club. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I sort of am like a nerd in the sense where I see something like this and I'm like, oh, the rules of their world just aren't quite clear enough. Like, how can you, <laughs> how can you get defeated in one, what does the king one even fight do? and go all the way down to jester? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, why, why is Squire the highest rank he can get to? You know, it's like, what are the rules of this? I don't know. So, but I, I did think it was pretty cute. I thought the costumes were fun. <laughs> oh, translator, my yeah, Yes, I was being pedantic. But I, I did think that it was cute and... It was fun to see Phil and Lem in a space where, like, they kind of knew the ropes and were higher status than Ted, at least at first. And then to see him sort of, like, rise in the ranks and and screw it all up. I don't know. It just was – it was a fun visual way to express um, what was was textually going on with, like, the themes of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. I I really like – I don't know. I I think Phil and Lem are my favorite characters in uh in in Better Off Ted because they're I I think they form a lot of the like emotional basis for like I don't I don't know. Like I I I personally think that they provide the most uh cuteness maybe. I it's just fun to watch them work in the space and I think that if you take away uh if you take away Phil and Lem like you don't There's no really heart. The yeah heart. right yes thank you yeah that's that's exactly what i mean um so so i think that to me is cool and it's cool to as as magellan is saying to like to see them in this context where it's not necessarily a social context but you know they're they're doing better than ted I want to, I have so many things to say here. Um, one, I think that this is a great example of like extracurricular activity that's good for employees, like lower level employees to bond with each other and to form their own like relationships and dynamics and stuff like Viridian dynamics and stuff. Um, of course, introducing a boss into this messes everything up because, uh, you know, I think it's Lem at the end of the episode who says something like uh, bosses and employees just shouldn't hang out. It's like a ventriloquist trying to be friends with his dummy. At the end of the day, you know who's sleeping in the suitcase. <laughs> feels like the, the dummy. <laughs> he like answers the question. I mean, do we, um, because do we Ted, feel that that's true yeah, of our experience? It's like I think that Lem, you know, very, very confidently lays out this theme that the episode then backs up. Which is like if you try to be friends with your boss, it 
there's going to be trouble. Do, do we feel that that's true, like in our own personal experiences? Um, I definitely do. I think that you have to set that boundary. You can either not set that boundary and say we're equals, which I would prefer, or as soon as you say I'm your supervisor, I'm your boss, I'm not going to try to be friends with you and I don't want to hang out with you outside of work. I think that's that's very valid. and not, That's not even like a controversial take. I think that's, you know, yeah, down the line. What about you, Jim? Uh, so for, for my part, um, right now I'm in academia, which is uh, kind of markedly different than, than traditional work. Right. So to some extent, there are a lot of uh, uh, opportunities to kind of bond with your boss that don't normally exist. Uh, so for instance, um, you know, there's a lot of group activities that we do because we're a relatively small team. We're like eight to 10 people. And so, you know, we might go out and pick apples from an orchard and, you know, the boss is there, you're there, but like, it's not necessarily a weird thing because it's such a small, like uh, non-hierarchical group mm-hmm. or yeah. super hierarchical because, you know, they're the ones who decide if you get to graduate or not. So, right. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely had kind of weird weirdness around being good friends with someone who was like my coach or like my kind of direct supervisor isn't really the word because in schools it's like kind of there's this person who you report to for this and that person who you report to for this and it's like kind of all over the place um but it definitely does muddle things when you're like buddies with someone and then they're like by the way you got to do this thing or like people in those positions feel tentative about about setting those expectations you know it um it does make things kind of confusing at times and i think it also something that i'm realizing with the episode now that is a parallel i didn't notice is that you can kind of say something similar about parents and children because like ultimately ted's problem with and we can talk about this in more depth in a bit but his problem with his ex-wife and how she's treating rose is that she's basically just trying to be rose's best friend and he's sort of like well you have to be her parent and like that's a different thing and in a way not to say that bosses are our daddies or whatever but like i mean but like you can't be friends with your parent right because like there there is some there is your parent has to like i don't know be in charge of you in in a certain way when you're a kid and and like you have to look to them for advice and when the relationship feels more like your buddies you kind of lose the parent part of it well i we are going to come back to all this stuff but um the other point i had about uh this medieval fight club is i was talking about extracurriculars that you do with your your like same level of of coworker employees uh, because it, it helps you bond, it helps you like each other, it gives you something, a vent for all your frustrations or whatever. Um, and in our in our current climate, you know, we, we, we sometimes want to talk about Better Off Ted as a uh, contrast with the way that the world is right now because of the pandemic. Uh, it's way more difficult and way less likely to, like, find these bonding opportunities because, you know, I know people who've, like, been in fencing clubs with their coworkers or... Uh, we'll like play a weekly basketball game or play D&D together or go to see movies together. Like, you know, little things like that that you can kind of use to bond. And it's so much harder now because people like, 
are people who even are still going to offices like essential employees just go home like nobody the concept of hanging out after work doesn't exist right now and it's very it's like pretty frustrating and sad but like I just realized recently that there is a really nice bar like less like across the street from my office and I had this moment where I was like damn since I started here, by the time I had good enough relationships to ask someone to go there, it, the pandemic started. And so I've ne I'm probably never going to go to that bar and like hang out with people. But, uh, you know, that's just something I keep thinking about where I'm like, well, you, you couldn't do Medieval Fight Club right now. It bums me out to think about it. Um, but hopefully we can get back to that. And people can do, you know, I, the, the, the accursed virtual happy hour, which I've been yeah, a part of too. before. No, thanks. No, no, no. It's the most cur someone we did two of them and they were both dreadful, honestly. And then someone was like, Well, you guys gonna do a third one? I'm sorry I missed those and everyone was like, uh, no. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> we hated yeah. it. It's just it's bad for every reason. Um, so yeah. the, there there was a there was a really interesting um I'm allowed to reference other podcasts on this, right? Uh, no, they don't they don't Maybe exist. me. Mm -mm. No, okay. Wait, what if it's uh what if it's NPR? Okay, all right. Okay. We're, we're not in direct competition so it was, with NPR. That's good. <laughs> um, it was a, a Planet Money podcast where they talked about uh, uh, kind of these virtual happy hours, right? <laughs> and uh, and they said, like, or it, it, essentially the takeaway was that, like, virtual happy hours don't work. Um, or at least not in quite the same way, because like, you know, you need to have some spontaneity, but like actually that spontaneity, uh, just like going out to a bar with some friends or whatever, um, or, you know, a coffee shop, uh, uh, that allows you to, to like kind of come up with new ideas because it's mm. the stress-free environment right. where you can kind of just like, you know, talk to each other, like kind of brainstorm and then you can come up with like really good ideas and so like uh, essentially they were saying that uh with the pandemic you know uh, virtual happy hours are not a substitute because everyone's talking over each other there's no spontaneity it's not relaxed so like everything kind of you know sucks when it comes to a virtual happy yeah. hour yeah and that's a good point like i've had a lot of great kind of academic conversations about teaching at a virtual happy hour where it's like uh not a virtual happy hour sorry like a real spontaneous happy hour where what are those <laughs> where it's like you'd expect that what people would talk about is anything but work but really sometimes the conversation returns to the aspects of your work that you actually like and enjoy talking about and yeah you can like i don't know like you were saying, find creative or inventive new ideas. Yeah, the space to just sort of relax and 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 riff. We had a total of two dinners at the pharmacy where we like met outside of work and it got dinner together. And in one of them, there was like a good amount of drinking. And by the end, they were like talking about pharmacy stuff while drunk, which was a delight. <laughs> they were like, why does insurance work this way? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like they were coming up with really cool ideas, but all of it was forgotten the next day. Yeah. But it was like, oh, that is my boss. That's, <laughs> That's definitely That's my boss fine. who's like downing his third whatever. Um but yeah, I agree that it can pr it can produce good results. It doesn't. It, it I encourage it. You know, it's it, but it's super hard right now because of stuff of the way things are. Um, I would do a medieval fight club. Screw it. It seems kind of fun. I like that there's like a a tiering like of you know the different 
positions and then like different people are better at it or whatever. I like that. I stuff. would I would so, want to so... be the jester, even though Phil in this episode when they're like, You're gonna be the jester, he's like, All right, fine, but it's the same jokes you heard last month. <laughs> I, I would enjoy being the jester and coming up with new jokes. I, I did fencing in, in college, but uh, uh and and you guys you guys know that. Um, the people on the podcast, not the people listening necessarily. Maybe a couple of people oh, if you get on. some friends to listen. I mean, yeah. yeah. Ooh, always <laughs> yeah. Yeah. become patrons. Just like that's <laughs> an idea. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I did fencing, but what you guys might not know oh. is that um on the on the first day of the activities fair, there was a LARPing uh, uh class that i that i attended so um do you guys have any questions on larping yeah what are the rules what do you have what do you do so so i think uh i think the rules depend from from larp club to larp club but uh for this one it was uh there were like some some uh foam swords essentially with like some sort of like a pvc mm-hmm. tube on the inside and then uh you know, you had different weapon types. You could build your own weapons, and um, and then it was a uh, if you got hit in the leg, you had to hop around. Yeah. Uh, if you got hit in the arm, you couldn't use that arm anymore. And if you get hit in the could chest you, like, or shoot head, you die. Uh, there were no fireballs. No, this was a this was a very serious uh, LARPing club. So, I mean, nobody nobody knew any magic, um, but. There was someone who came up with a, uh, they invented a glaive, which is Whoa. kind of like a, yeah, it's like a, a sword on the end of a stick. Yeah. And so that was a, that was a thing. Yikes. So wow, that's serious. The, it, it, yeah. I just remember that I had an activity fair at my college and the only one that looked appealing to me, I'm sorry, 2012 Alan, I am here to roast you right now, <laughs> was the gamer club. And it was the most miserable club of nerds I've ever been. I'm sorry to the gamer club. You, you guys, you liked being in the gamer club, didn't you? No, 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 oh. no, no. The gamer club was like a bunch of guys who were like, so are we playing League tonight or are we playing Smash? And I was oh, like, neither. Oh. I want to go okay. home. And they're like, we have pizza. And I'm like, I will stay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was the game. I went to three meetings and then I got oh. the heck out of Dodge. But you liked the space. Wasn't there a space that you enjoyed that had gaming? No, no, no. Sorry. What you're thinking of is like in senior year, this, this is a good example of what like Phil and Lem do is like between classes, I would go to the student lounge and this is just in that last year, there was like a bunch of guys that would, would play Uno or they would play games like those guys were great because that wasn't a club that wasn't and mm. they were like nerds like me where they liked a bunch of different stuff. Whereas the gamer club, like whatever it was called, uh, was more about like, hey, we want to form a clan for our League of Legends I, team. I, I guess. <laughs> well. It uh, going back to the LARPing rules thing. It did seem really strange to me that they had what seemed to be actually sharp swords that they were using. Yeah, that was and oof. It the the fact that like the kind of thing that gets Ted kicked out is that he charges at the guy with a real sword. <laughs> it's like what one? Why would the those swords be allowed? But also, two, that moment didn't feel, if we accept that they allow swords, that moment didn't feel like out of the ordinary for that particular club's rules. So it was weird to me that the guy, the Groth guy, was like, wait, what the fuck? He's using a real sword? I don't know. That, did you guys feel the same way? That that moment felt kind of odd to me. Yeah, it, it so it felt very, uh, I mean, I think it would be weird if they had 
foam swords to some extent. Yeah, because it would look, with the it would look stupid on the... TV if they had foam swords, yeah. Yeah, right. But but I also agree that it feels weird that it was just yeah, that the guy was so freaked out by by uh by Ted just kind of running at him. Yeah. Um yeah, that that felt a little much. I, I agree with that. It just felt like a cop out. I thought the idea was that he it was surprising because they thought he would bounce out, but instead he went in and fought. I thought that was what the point there was. Like you're saying that Groth just thought that he would be too scared to fight him in the first place? Yes. I guess that yes. makes sense. But like we, I guess as an audience, we know Ted and we know that he wouldn't look at that guy and be like, oh no, this is going to be bad. Yeah. So it just felt kind of arbitrary to me. I also just love the secret identities that people like during their day job, the Groth Groth. Yeah. Um, I just want to call him the Groth, like the guy who's in Hamilton, but no Groth <laughs> is just like a cleaner. He's just like one of the guys who like sweeps or whatever. And then he's like, no, I don't do that stuff anymore. He goes, I got a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mean, very yeah. mean. Um, there was a lot of women in that club. It's not even like they don't even paint it to be a boys club. It's a, it's a very mixed gender place. But I will uh, say they, they did kind of put a status on like I, I think I think the entire club was essentially a, a means of inverting status. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like people mm-hmm. who normally have like low social status, um, uh, uh, you know, like. The head of IT, who like you're supposed the to. The king is the head of IT. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of like a reversal of roles, and so I feel like that's that's you know kind of where a lot of the conflict comes from, right? It's the fact that Ted is going in and he's taking this reversal of roles, and then he's kind of correcting it to right. its it's kind of like a it's normal hierarchy. Quo, yeah. Uh, but but it was it was kind of it was kind of a little bit weird that they didn't find anyone who was just like oh yeah that's that's greg he's uh uh he he works in product testing like just kind of a normal dude (laughs) greg yeah that's funny everyone was kind of uh uh yeah like a a little bit of a geek yeah 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 Yeah. what's the deal with ted hating his wife guys (laughs) i thought this was so weird also Amongst all of the different uh, like conflict that's going on, we have Ted. The reason that he's hanging out with Phil and Lem is because Rose is with uh, his what his ex wife, um, and she's like giving Rose ice cream for breakfast and being too nice to her, and he has that conflict. But he suddenly like very vehemently dislikes his wife, and it feels out of character. Well, no, it's been like that well, the whole time. I mean, the first episode, yeah. he's like. Rose's mom went off to save the world, or whatever. Like he's always been dismissive of her from the beginning. Um, But in this episode, because she's like in proximity, it's even more intense to the point where he openly calls her the B word. And it's like, Holy crap. (laughs) This isn't like, I'm not on Ted's side right now. I get that she's being awful, but he's like that B. It is funny that Phil and Lem are both like, Hey, that's your daughter. (laughs) She's seven. (laughs) But, but still it's that's intense ted i don't his just his anger i think because we never see her uh it really doesn't feel fair to me i don't know and it just seems really yeah, so, so i think at a certain point yeah yeah i mean i think i think that language is uh deplorable um but i uh i i think that so, so my interpretation is that Ted just feels completely abandoned 
Uh, and like, I think that's where his hate comes from because uh, like, I mean, this is obviously extrapolating, but you know, before her mom ran off, like, uh, you know, I, I think he was like very much invested in their relationship. And then when his wife like suddenly runs off and like leaves him, like, I think he just feels kind of like helpless and abandoned. And I think that that can really generate some some huge feelings of hatred and animosity still not okay to say but especially in a workplace that's like so right yeah that's so messed up yeah i mean i think where i'm coming from is i i i understand like why he's upset um but i think they just play it for comedy so much that it's like what what is this i'm supposed to Mm. laugh at him being like my my ex-wife oh boy let me tell you guys and also at the same time phil is like my wife is so mean to me like multiple characters have this woman that they're talking about as like the most awful person in the world to them and Mm -hmm. we just don't really have any sort of balance to that or see those female characters ever and it just rubs me the wrong way but i think it's a valid conflict for him to have with stacy that like she's spoiling rose and that bothers him so at least that part of it i think fits with the themes of the episode and makes sense and you know if you're telling a story about a single dad that's a that's a perfectly good plot to to have the line in there that got to me was when it, it felt like he was in couples therapy for a sec and he's like Oh man, she's gonna go off and try to save the world instead of taking care of herself and her own problems. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't need to know yeah, this, Ted. Yeah. Holy right. crap! Yeah, he gets so specific about her issues that I'm like, oh, this is this is based in some maybe a writer's <laughs> reality or something. But the joke it definitely works real. there. Yeah. He also says, um, you know, she lets her have ice cream for breakfast. You know what I let her do? Get vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, 2009. Okay, yeah. Which, talking about vaccines again um you would hope that the anti-vaccination uh discussion ended but a it hasn't and b um ask take a decent sample size of people in your community and ask them if they would take the COVID 19 vaccine and you'd be surprised how many people would say that they don't plan to take it (sighs) anyways before we get sad let's pivot (laughs) i yeah um i yeah jim i i um I I really like Ted's relationship with Rose in general. Yeah, me too. Um, Same. And I feel like this was it, this was a really interesting episode because it was exploring Ted's relationship with Rose to the absence of Ted's relationship with Rose, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I I thought her not being there is is where how you learn about her. Yeah, and he gets aggressive and he's angry and he's obviously like misplacing all of his feelings and emotions and like that's yeah that was the yeah that's that's the the male way of doing things in 2009 uh which is um yeah it's it's interesting to kind of reflect on what uh what television uh uh thought you know masculinity was in 2009 yeah um speaking of parents relationships i loved by the way after in that same scene when ted's like oh speaking of bosses helping their employees with stuff he enabled he like but he tells the AA meeting to meet in a utility closet so that the Indian oh, yeah. Fight Club can meet <laughs> we, again. We see some pretty bad, like, I think I've talked about this before, but there is like a dark side to Ted that is just, it is not good. It doesn't look good. The fact that he effortlessly moves that AA meeting, the fact that he, when Phil and Lem are like, we don't think we're going to go, he says, okay, well, then just do all this work for me by tomorrow morning. 
it's like, oh, who is this yeah. guy? Yeah. Eww. He's a manager. This is this is the And I guess the you can ascribe it to like he's uh you know, because his daughter's gone. Hyper competitive. Well, he's hyper competitive, partly, and then also because his daughter's gone, like he's just in a, not a good place right now. But I don't know. He just did it so easily. That's yeah, charitable. I think he's just not a, yeah. not a great guy. Or you know, power corrupts whatever little power mm-hmm. it is. Power corrupts absolutely, absolutely. Power corrupts absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I, what I was saying is is that when he's like, "Oh, I let them meet two nights in a row." And I was like, oh, man, I can't. It's my mom's birthday. And then as soon as he's like, I can't miss Medieval Fight Club, people will start. That's how rumors start. And then he's like, is it weird to bring my mom to Medieval Fight Club? And then he does a beat. And he's like, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> so good. Um, uh, and then the other really funny line from that same space was actually when we go back to Linda being anxious about Veronica confessing to her. She's like, why do I even drink at any of these things? I always get laid or fired. And then I think it's like, it's like or Phil, one of them's like, I got to start yeah. drinking. I like it's those lines. lines. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's uh... there. There is a lot of comedy in this episode, despite the like inherent darkness of talking about like a boss having control over you. Um, but yeah, they, they have Ted try to fight the big guy and then he, uses a real sword and gets kicked out and uh phil and them want to get rid of him and they want to start going back to trains club now because ted ruined medieval fight club and you get that awesome line where lem is like uh we got to go back to trains club i have a fair chance of being the first black mayor of tiny <laughs> town <laughs> that's a top tier line that's one of the best uh, yeah <laughs> that's really good um and then, yeah, just Veronica being mean to Linda. Like, again, this episode doesn't, like, end that nicely. Um, if anything, I thought it was super weird that we're into the credits and we we get Linda in deciding to join Medieval Fight Club because she, Veronica doesn't want to apologize to her or whatever. Uh-huh. So we get a couple, like, seconds of her, like, donning a weapon and then, like, spinning around and grunting. And I'm like, why, why didn't you go through the effort to do this? Yeah, and it was kind of weird because clearly they shot it separately from all those other scenes there was nobody else in the room it was just like phil Lim and ted were like hey you want to come swing swords in the basement or whatever yeah and then and i don't know the outfit that they put her in kind of was like it's very xena yeah xena or like leia in episode yeah. six or something where it's like what are we doing yeah. right now better off ted yeah. come on so we don't we don't need to make them it's it's also kind of a weird thing where it's like ah uh, you can resolve all of your conflicts by just using physical violence and aggression <laughs> to take it out on someone right. unrelated. After it's Ted like, had oh. just learned that that was like the thing that he did wrong this week, yeah, <laughs> they both they all think like, well, hey, maybe it'll work for Linda. Yeah, it, it's also so fun to me that like the episode ends with uh um or you know part of the episode ends with uh with ted being crowned king and then assassinated <laughs> yeah, totally <off> screen. <laughs> yes. yeah which which i i i, I got a mm-hmm. kick out of that one i thought that that was a really cool way to end it um although yeah it's like again it's a very dark way to 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 deal mm-hmm. with that better off ted like kind of plays around in that dark space though in a fun way I, that's what i like about it a lot yeah um Corporate culture is inherently kind of fucked up, if you're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a lot of stray lines from this episode. Yeah. Um, does anybody else want to go first, though? 
Um, I I have three things. I, the Viridian Dynamics commercial I thought was okay, um, but I did like the line, without bosses, we'd be like these worms. Disgusting. Uh, it's like bad B-roll of worms? Like, gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I laughed. Listen to your boss and don't question them. Otherwise, you're no better than a worm. Yeah. I laughed out loud at the line that you put as Jim's introduction where, <laughs> where Phil's like, he could bring us a lot of street crud. <laughs> he just delivers it so well. It's uh, like effort. Like that's <laughs> He's always known that to be the way you say it. Yeah. What's that actor's name? Oh, I want to check Phil? it. Phil? Yeah. Who, who plays Phil? What's his name? Uh, that's Jonathan Slavin. Slavin. Yeah. He, Jonathan Slavin. Slavin. I'm not sure. Sorry, Jonathan. I'm going to say Slavin. Yeah. Always does those like creaky deliveries in and they're so good it's it's really funny mm-hmm. um yeah phil oh shit sorry just confirmed jonathan slavin is a gay man in real life fucking hell yeah oh, okay sorry <laughs> just got excited uh when ted wins his first fight in the fight club the king says i declare ted the victor and victor the loser <laughs> it's like a simpsons line <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um my last thing that i have here is that Phil's mug that that uh, Linda drinks out of says "sexy scientist" on it? I noticed. Sexy that. scientist. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. It's a show with a very good set dressing. Yes. And salad dressing. And what? very good. Uh, I forgot to say, but the outfits are always really great. In the first half, mm-hmm. Veronica's first outfit, where it's like the magenta turtleneck and the black blazer to show like she's very intimidating was like damn that's a cool yeah. outfit um but yeah that's a good really costume is. design in the show too uh greed um i really I, we were talking about phil not liking his wife earlier and ted is like oh yeah stacy's out in botswana and then you just get phil to the side i wish my wife would go to botswana <laughs> <laughs> i don't i just love his deliveries always um yeah. Uh, when Linda and Veronica are in a meeting and she's like revealing all the secrets to her, she's like, what are we going to do? Like, I'm going to have to take the project. And she's like, no, it's, it's okay. I'll take you to someplace for breakfast. Somewhere where the meal names don't end in slam. <laughs> 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 subtle, but not so subtle. They get days, but it's go off, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Ugh. the tiny town line was hilarious. And oh, actually, I think that was, a, that was my last one. Yeah. Strong episode. Again, we're hitting the satire. I feel like the show is just like firing on its cylinders now, right? Like, one of the benefits of a show being this short is you don't have like chaff, I think. But we've had some episodes that we're like, uh, but not like. Yeah, I mean, I think what you can say for these two that we watched this week is that their point is so much more specific and nuanced than the point that was being made by the last two. Where the last two, it was like, corporations don't care about you. That's the theme. And. In, in this one, it's like, you know, your bosses are going to manipulate your personal relationship. And that's like a much more precise, satirical conversation to have. So I think that's what Definitely. made both Definitely. these episodes pretty strong. Plus, Jay Harrington is just such a such a dreamboat. He's very he's deeply handsome. Uh, as that as a as a previous he, episode said, he seems like the kind of guy who either is saving like a kitten from a tree or is a superhero or <laughs> like he just. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I, I just I, I love that cast mm. all around. Um, yeah, uh, just so good. Um, but I think that's what we have for uh, You Are the Boss of Me. Yeah. Which is not a title that rolls off the tongue well. Um, 
Uh, Magellan, um, can you tell me what we're watching next time on Better Off Chats? I would love to. Next time on Better Off Chats, we're watching Season 1, Episodes 9 and 10 of Better Off Ted. First, we're watching Episode 9, Bioshuffle. Tensions mount when Ted, Linda, and Veronica end up sharing offices. And then, Oh. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And then Season 1, Episode 10, Trust and Consequences. Viridian tries to make Linda a scapegoat when the company is sued. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. That's going to get kind of tense. I believe it. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, thank you, Jim, for joining us. I'm happy that you finally, finally got you on main uh, feed chats. Thank you for having me. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so in a couple different ways. You can email us at chatspot at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and DM us or message us or just look at our tweets over at chatspod on Twitter. Both of those are spelled C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D. And you've heard a couple people come on and be guests. If you want to be a guest and talk about an episode of Better Off Ted with us, all you got to do is ask. We don't know. We we're not. We can't read your mind. But if you want to do it, come on. Someday, one day we'll be able to read your mind with or with the whatever surgery or whatever was in the episode. I forget. Yeah, brain surgery makes it t- everything taste sweet, and we can read your mind. Yeah, Two side effects. But until then, just you know, let us know. If you want to watch old shows that we covered and listen to us cover them with a community of fellow listeners, you can do so on Reddit at reddit.com/r/chatspod. And then if you want to help the show get found, you can rate us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. And then if you want to support the show with money, cash money, you can do so over at Patreon, patreon.com slash chatspod. You can back us at one, three, or five dollars a month. Uh, this month of October, if you liked the guests that you heard on this episode, actually both of them were on a bonus episode this month on our Patreon. Jim was with us earlier this month doing a pilot chats discussion of Full Metal Alchemist and Cowboy Bebop. And Six was on a uh, Chats Nights little discussion episode with us, uh, just talking about stuff and then talking about pies and which pies are the best pies. Uh, Pies and stuff. Pies and stuff. So you can listen to both of those over on the Patreon. And then pretty soon we're going to be watching um, Young Frankenstein for Halloween. So that's going to be exciting as well uh but that's that's it for the show plugs now we get into chatsums little things that we like to eat and when we eat them it sounds like this Mm, yummy just wanted to make sure the bumper could fit in you're welcome so they're little things little piece of pop culture that you can pop into your mouth between now and next time uh jim are you ready you got one uh yeah so uh Okay, uh, so in the Journal of Chemical Physics B, uh, look for the impact of PDMS-based microfluidics on Belisov-Zhapotinsky chemical oscillators. Oh, yeah, that's good yeah. shit. <laughs> I, 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 like their, I like his earlier stuff myself. But. Yeah, back when it was about the music. I like when it, I like when it was the, about the dry oscillators, but that's good. Read phys- Can I just write that as read physics journals? Yeah, read physics journals. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, I didn't want to wrap, maybe i'll transcribe what you just said <laughs> or something. We'll figure it oh out. Yeah. and um uh the other thing uh something a little bit more serious uh key and peel is leaving uh hulu soon so if you haven't got a chance to oh. uh, to look at that uh i'd i definitely would suggest uh 
taking a nibble. That's a good wreck. I miss P&P a lot. I might be due for a rewatch. Well, you've got uh, 12 days at the time of the recording, so. Let's go. Episode one, beginnings. No. <laughs> <laughs> Origins. Yeah. Alan, what about you? Uh, so I rec- I've been reading a lot more lately. I'm trying to. Uh, and I just finished an indie comic uh, two days ago that I really think more people should check out. It's called Gleam, G-L-E-E-M. Um, and it's for, it's by, uh, and I might pro- be pronouncing their last name wrong, Freddy Carrasco. Um, basically, Gleam is a three-part series of short stories uh, about young kids, particularly uh, young children, uh, uh, black and Hispanic kids uh, who are living in a futuristic, like, neo cool blade runnery city um discovering themselves going through identities crises um trying to help their friends and their community uh and like learning about the world around them and how the world ended up the way it is it's really fascinating it's kind of hard to describe because it is very light on dialogue it's like ostensibly a 200 and 200 page graphic novel with with minimal text um, but all of the stories are really affecting despite not having a lot of dialogue. Um, the art is incredible. It's got this very unique sort of like line art style. Um, the art actually reminds me a little bit of, uh, Satoshi Kone and like his work on Paranoia Agent. Um, so if you are into that sort of like more realistic art style in a way or, or like exaggerated rather art style, um, I really recommend you check out Gleam. Uh, you can get it digitally or physically. I bought a physical copy and I love it. Um, it's a good like coffee table book. It's got amazing art. You should check it out. You can buy that anywhere online. It's called Gleam. Mitchell, what about you? Um, it's a hard week for me to think of a chat sum because I've just been like doing a lot of playing the chat sums that I've talked about the past couple weeks. Um or listening to podcasts I've talked about before or whatever, but I've been kind of jumping around YouTube suggestions and I came across this one channel called Jay's Reviews. And uh, I'm just going to shout Jay's Reviews out because I did watch the entire, like, how long is it? Hour long video where he talks about how much he loves Sonic Adventure 2. <laughs> and I did watch the 50 minute video where he talks about what makes Sonic Heroes good. So. I'd, you know, give a give a shout out there to Jay's reviews. Just one of those channels where he like goes in depth and does big old video essays oh, about right. about you know nostalgia stuff. So yeah, these look fun. It's J the letter J by the way. Yeah, J possessive reviews. Love it. These look really fun. I might watch some of these. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Well, Majan, thank you for that. Um, I'll I always appreciate more video essays to add to my endless queue. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was just thinking about the trial of the Chicago Seven movie and how sad I am. I'm frustrated at him that they oh, gave that to Aaron Sorkin. Boy. I did see a, I, I watched I saw a video where he was giving writing advice, and one of the questions was like, "How do you write like characters who are you know from a different group of people or whatever than you are, and imagine <laughs> them in terms of their joys and not just their their like suffering, suffering or whatever yeah. and he <laughs> had a very clumsy answer to that question oh love it i'm not surprised um i'm probably gonna end up watching that it's the sad thing too right like sasha baron cohen aaron sorkin ever it's got a lot of talent in it sorry anyways um that's neither here nor there thank you to jim again for joining us on this podcast Thank you to Magellan as well for being the rock to my heart place. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of Better Off Chats. 
Peace.